Hello. No. Pay no attention to the tire. Now all you're going to think about is what the tire is for the whole time. Hey, my name is Mark Steiger. No, knock it off. Hey, uh, so yeah, Aaron, Aaron is out today, so I'm the one teaching this morning, so it's going to be awesome. Hey, uh, so we're actually starting a new series uh, this next few weeks, and it's called Anchored. Anchored. Graphics. There you go. Um, so it's one of those things where we just finished up a series called Stretch. So how do we, how do we stretch our faith? And now we're, we're actually kind of talking about how do we anchor that? How do we anchor that deeper? So you know what the anchors? Anchors come from the sea on boats. I always heard that you have to start off with a joke to loosen up the crowd a little bit. So here's my joke, okay? What is a pirate's favorite letter? You think it's the R, but it's actually the C. <laughs> no, that was sad. So, that's my dad joke. Uh, so, my name's Mark, once again. Um, if you have any problems, you can always email Aaron. Um, and so, real quick, just a little bit about myself. Uh, I am the director over at um, Larimer County Jail for all the behavior health stuff over there. So we're going to talk about psychology today. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we're actually going to talk about anchor. So, you know, it's one of those things where we watch this or read this video. It's actually pretty amazing when it's words up there, how quiet it gets and how much my brain hurts to read that much. But um, we're talking about this idea of anchor or this foundation, right? And, you know, so many times in life, I feel like we're kind of going back and forth, right, in my life. Where, where things change, uh, seasons of my life change, uh, all this stuff kind of goes back and forth. And it's almost feel like I'm just kind of floating through everything here. Right? Have you ever been that? Where in life, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. Right? And so we're actually going to be kind of talking about how do we anchor ourselves down. And... Um, so many times I think in our life, too, we're, we use those things in our life to define us. There's so many things in our life that can define us. And it can be a good things in our life that define us. But there's so many things like, you know, family, jobs, relationships, church, all those things we, we have in our life that can define us. But what happens is we, a lot of times we build our existence on those things. And when we build our existence on those things, kind of like in that uh, video, sometimes it feels like those things kind of can crumble. And so today we're actually looking at one of Jesus's famous parables. And a parable is basically just a story he would tell. And it's uh, found in Matthew. And it was actually at the very end of what they call the Sermon on the Mount. Right? The Sermon on the Mount was one of his cool talks. Basically, he saw all these people following him, so he sat down on the side of a mountain and taught. And it's where we have what they call the Beatitudes or the Blesseds. Um, it's where we have the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's where we have all these things. And he talks about things that would be a really counterculture. And he talked about, you know, like, blessed are the poor, blessed are poor in spirit. He talks about how uh, love your enemy uh, he brings up the idea where he says, you know, you guys say that you, you never, you know, commit murder, but if you hate somebody, you're already there. And that's like, whoa, I'm probably a murderer like 12 times through. Um, 
It's not funny. Angel, you're next. Uh, you know, he talks about laying up you know, treasures in heaven. And he does all this stuff. And, and he's, he's speaking this stuff, and the crowd is amazed. Because he's, he's speaking, it says in the very end, he says he's speaking with one of authority versus kind of one of the people who just kind of talked all the time. And so we're, we're actually ending, or we're starting, um, but we're starting with his ending, makes no sense, um, on, on his parable of the wise and foolish man. So let's pray real quick. Dear Jesus, we love you. And um, God, you just, just meet us here today. Um, guide us and just show us who you are and who you want us to be. Amen. So Matthew chapter 7 starts in verse 24. And it says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rains come down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. You know, this, that, this concept of building a house, or really when I look at it, it's more of building my life. And when I, when I take a deeper look at that, it's to have a life with meaning, a life worth living. Um, a lot of times in, in the work I do, uh, working with the, the clients I have, it's almost like, you know, w we see that desperation of searching for a life that has meaning, searching for something greater, Right? And we, we can do it with all these other things that are going to cloud our vision. We're going to pursue these things. And all of a sudden, we're kind of stuck, and it feels like everything around us has crumbled. And this idea of a life worth, a life worth living is, I think it's, it's part of our key nature. Right? It's that thing that says, okay, I need something in my life. If this is it, Oh, man, right? And when Jesus kind of talks about this, he, especially on the Sermon on the Mount, he throws out everything that we would put our life worth living on, right? About being rich, being powerful, being all these things. And I think in today's world, I, I get this very confused, because I'm going to define my life by so many other things. And, you know, we, we, can, we do all these things throughout our week and through our day and throughout our, our lifespan where we're trying to make this life something to live for. And so we put so much, and I do this, I put so much into achieving. Right? I act like, uh, it doesn't matter, but really when it comes down to it, I want to achieve. I want I want to be recognized. I want somebody to say, wow, or Mark, you're amazing, or those things like that. And then you have kids, and they totally not do that ever. Um, but it's one of those things where I think so many times we, we get our mindset thrown off. You guys remember the uh, critically acclaimed movie, Mighty Ducks? <laughs> yes. You had the Hawks, 
over here, right? They were the team always wearing black, right? They were the bad guys. And then you have the Mighty Ducks, this ragtag bunch of misfits, ooh, right? And one of the things, so we just watched this movie the other day with, with my kids, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is old. And um, I actually remember when it came out. And it's one of those things where I remember watching the movie, and, you know, the bad guy, the bad coach of the Hawks, he has this famous line. He says, if I can be right, um, it's not worth winning if you don't win big. You know, and he kept saying that throughout the movie, right? And, like, the team would be winning ahead, and, he's, and he would pull them into the little, you know, cubby or whatever they call it in the hockey thing. And uh, he's like, guys, you're not doing good enough. It's not worth winning if you don't win big, right? And then you have the Mighty Ducks over here who do quack, 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 right? And it's so, so awesome, right? And it ends, and I'm not going to spoil it, but they make three other movies. And so it's one of those things where sometimes in my life, even as I pursue Jesus, even as I pursue things in my life, I try to make my life worth living. And it's one of those things where it's not worth doing if I don't win big, right? And, and I get this mentality in my head, especially in our society today, where uh, I got to do more. I got I to pursue more. I got to do all these things that are going to make me win big. And sometimes I even do it in, in the, the way I view God viewing me, where, God, I, I, it's not worth doing if I don't serve you big. It's not worth doing if I don't do this right. And there's a point in it where God wants us to achieve. God wants us to grow. God wants us to live a life worth living. But his view on it throws everything out that we could imagine. Jesus challenges this concept. You know, on the Sermon on the Mount, he goes opposite of everything. The Beatitudes in Matthew 5, let me read them, it's, it's amazing. Everything he says is so counterculture, even for us today. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Like, man, like, those shouldn't be the ones blessed. You know, they'll inherit everything. I mean, how does this work? And so Jesus challenges the status quo. One of my favorite books, if you guys have heard me talk before, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Love it. Uh, there's basically two books I read all the time, The Bible and Man's Search for Meaning. And um, not telling you which order. So Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl was a neurologist, psychiatrist, survived the Holocaust, and, and he wrote a book afterwards. And um, one of his, his quotes in, in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, says, Man's main concern is not to gain pleasure or to avoid pain, but rather to see a meaning in his life. I think in my life, so much of it is to avoid pain, right? So much of it, I want to avoid any hardship. I want to avoid all the bad things, right? I want to be happy. I want, to, I want this stuff in my life that is going to bring me pleasure, right? Um, you know, it's this idea we have this, the right to pursue happiness. And and Viktor Frankl, after he survived the Holocaust, his thing is it's not that. It's not trying to just gain this or avoid this. Really what it comes down to is to find meaning in our life. He also says this, one of my favorite quotes he says, life is never made unbearable by our circumstances. Now, he, he writes this after he survives Auschwitz and Dachau and all these other things. Now, to me... That would be an unbearable circumstance. 
He says, life is never made unbearable by our circumstance, but by a lack of meaning and purpose. And I think even in my life, even today, right, I, I, I feel like I'm trying to pursue meaning and purpose, but when I really do it, I always kind of look in the wrong places. I look, and I try to find, and I scrounge, and I, I build these things on, on, on what I feel my life should be. And a lot of times when we don't have this firm foundation that Jesus says, it seems like things can crash and burn. Right? And maybe, you know, right now you're in the midst of some hard times. Right? Maybe uh, things in your life feel like they're crashing, like waves are crashing in. Um, things are just kind of blowing up. We feel tired. We feel worn out. Maybe that's where you're at right now. Or sometimes you're like me, where things are going really well. Things are going really well right now, and I don't want anything to crash. I don't want those things to go bad, right? It's almost like I'm, I'm superstitious, where if things are going really well, will they eventually go bad, right? Now, just to let you guys know, it's bad luck to be superstitious, so, so don't do that. But um, it's one of those things where sometimes, even when life is going well, I'm like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, it's, something's going to happen, right? And I start building this foundation on these things, right? And Jesus talks about this, he says, you know what, hey, if you listen to my words... You listen and then you, you, you actually put them, apply them in your life. Really what he means is if you put me, apply me to your life, it's this firm, firm foundation. And I think a lot of times, even with me, it, it's a lot easier <clears throat> to, to start the, the digging process when things are really easy. Right? I remember I, when I was a kid, I worked construction. And I did concrete flat work. And I remember we'd always have some jobs where, you know, um, I was the youngest guy and I was really small. And I don't know why all the other employees did this, but they're like, if the ground is really, really hard, they'd be like, hey, Mark, get a pickaxe, you dig here, right? And I'm like, I weigh 12 pounds. Like, come on, right? And so I would be like chipping away at this ground that was so hard. And I'm like, this is unreal, right? And I'm watching these other guys dig a hole where it's all nice and soft and everything like that. And I'm like, I want to be there. My little arms hurt. This isn't fun. I got a blister. Guys. And it was one of those things where all of a sudden, and even in my life, I think now, I, I kind of look for the easiest route. I want to find the easiest route. I want to find the way that I'm not going to have to exert so much, especially at the beginning. And Jesus is like, no, hey, hey, here's the deal, right? We can build, we're going to build our lives on something. And we can either put this foundation where it's really easy to start, but then we know when it's really easy to start, hey, there's, it's not set on stone. It's not set on something that's firm. And then when things in life start to happen, everything starts shaking and moving. <clears throat> so I think a lot, of, a lot of these times we, we miss this idea of, of the foundation. We can build things in our life to look really well. And I am really dang good at that. Where... On the outside, it looks like everything's good and together and it's a mansion and all this stuff. But really underneath, everything is shaking and moving and crumbling. And 
I think when we, when we do that, especially in, in my life, even in my spiritual life, right? I mean, coming up here and saying, well, yes, okay, hey, this is how we live our life. You know what, honestly, man alive, I, a lot of times I'm having to redo the entire thing I've been building because nothing has been set firm. And we, we can look at all these things around us. We're like, hey, that's what I want to be over here. Look how perfect that life is. You know, look at that person's spirituality. They're on Instagram, and they get up in the morning, and they drink coffee and read the Bible. This is amazing. Why can't I do that? I get up in the morning, like three minutes before I have to be to work, and then I say words that are probably not spiritual as I try to rush out the house, and I realize it snowed on the ground, and I'm still going to be late. And it's one of those things where all of a sudden I'm like, oh, man, why can't I do that? Look how perfect that is. And Jesus is like, hey, you know what? The house is, is going to be built no matter what. And a lot of times we can look at it, and it can look really nice. But what is it based on? Oh, my phone turned off. <clears throat> and I think one of those things is what Jesus says in, in that verse. He says, hey, if you hear this, if you hear this message, if you hear who I am, you have to do something with it. James, James says, faith without works is dead. When I was growing up, it was one of those things where I would hear that all the time. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And then I kind of associate that where I have to do as much as possible. I have to look the part. Fake it till you make it, right? And I felt that was even the way I would get into heaven, right? Is, hey, if I, if I read the Bible every day, if I do all this stuff, if, if I look holy, if I come to church, if I volunteer, if I do my tithe, then that means my faith is real. And those are very good things. But where is our foundation set on this? Where is it, like, why, what is the reason that I'm doing it? So in my job, um, I deal a lot, unfortunately, with addiction. And I think we've talked about this before, but one of the things is, you know, when I talk to somebody about addiction and, and they're, they're incarcerated because of their addiction and they're struggling with it, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I always tell the story. I had this, one time I had this, this client Really, really cool guy and everything like that. He could teach, like, the protocols on how to do addiction treatment. This guy was amazing. And he really liked the drugs. And so he knew, like, every time we would meet, he's like, this is, this is how I'm going to plan it out. This is the, the coping skills and all this stuff like that. And then he gets out, and then, like, about an hour later, he's using. I remember meeting up with him. I'm like, dude, what happened? Like, you know all these coping skills. All right, when I feel I need to use, I'm going to go for a walk. He's like, yeah, I went for a walk down to my dealer. And I was like, you know, and, and it's one of those things, and it, this is where it really hit me. He's, you know, one of those things, he's, he told me, he's like, there was no reason to do all the coping skills. There was no purpose to it. And I think a lot of times, especially when I deal with, with people in my, in my work, I always say, you know, why are you proud of being you? Are you proud of being sober? Why are, we, why are we proud or why do we have a meaning in Jesus? 
Because a lot of the times when we put all these works into to, to place, I do those things because I feel I, I have to, or they're kind of just what we do, or maybe if I do enough, then God will notice me. But what we found out, even in my own life, if I do all this stuff, that doesn't mean anything. If, if my foundation is not set on who Jesus is. So even when I, I work with people with addiction, I say, you know, a lot of times the coping skills, they don't mean anything if there's not a purpose behind it. If you have a purpose behind it, then all of a sudden, these, these coping skills or these other things or the AA or the NA, it makes sense. I, I have a purpose to do it. And I think when, when Jesus talked about this, this parable, <clears throat> hey, if you hear these words and you do what I say, you build this foundation. If you don't, things will start crashing around you. Paul talks about this. And Paul, Paul when he starts talking about this, you know, he's, James says faith without works is dead, and you have to have some, some faith in there. Because even at the time, people say, well, yeah, I'm following Jesus, but didn't do anything. But then Paul also has these other part of it where people are starting to do all this stuff. But he's like, guys, take a look at this, the core, the foundation you have. So Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 13, also known as the love chapter. Uh, it, it's usually, thank you. Yeah. Um, I usually read this to my wife. <laughs> I say, you're failing this, Christy. Um, we're going to have a talk afterwards after church, so we're going to stay and pray often. Uh, so uh, Paul talks about this, 1 Corinthians 13. And this is, if you've, if you've been around church, you've heard this before, but listen to what Paul has to say about this. He says, if you speak in tongues of men and of angels... But do not have love. I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, a noisy instrument. Right? It was like me in elementary school. They wouldn't let me play musical instruments, but you know what I got to play? The triangle. And then they took that away from me. So if I do all these things, right? And he goes on and says this if I have a gift of prophecy, ooh, spiritual, can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge. Ooh, smart. And if I have faith that can move mountains, yet, where is it? But I do not have love, I am nothing. He says, if I give all my possessions to the poor and give my own body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So Paul talks about, he's like, we can do all this stuff. We can, we can say, hey, this is the facade that I am, right? I can give everything. I can be all this stuff. I can look the part. If I don't have love, or really when it comes down to it, if I don't have Jesus as that foundation, I am nothing. Christ is that foundation. Christ is who we are now. When I was younger, you know, this idea of foundation, right, we build on it, right? A lot of times, if, have you ever seen your foundation of your house? Probably not, because it's buried, right? If you have, that's usually not a good thing. And it's one of those things, when I was younger, I always thought, okay, if I build my foundation, I'm going to put that down first, and then I can do all this other stuff, right? It's like the, um, was it the um, food pyramid, <laughs> Right? 
if I put the grain down first, then I can get to the good part at the very top, the sugar, right? That was always my achievement, right? If I do this, I get it out of the way, get those grains, get all the fruit, bleh, but then I get to have a s'mores. Are you all going to think about s'mores? I'm sorry, right? But see, Jesus is not saying that. He's not saying, well, okay, if I put Jesus down first, then I can do all these other things. No, no, no. See, this is where Jesus says, hey, I am that foundation. This is where my foundation tire. This is off my daughter's bicycle. She now has a unicycle. <laughs> Good luck, Millie. Um, see, so many times I think Jesus, he, he's saying, hey, it's not, I'm, you put me down first, first thing in the day, wake up in the morning, talk about Jesus, and then you can go around doing everything else. No, he says, you know what, hey, life is going to hit us sometimes. And have you ever ridden a bicycle? We know that the very center of this is what keeps everything up. Have you guys ever driven a car with the, the, the tires not balanced, right? My wife, for years, had a tire on her car that wasn't balanced. And the steering wheel would be going like this the whole time you drive in. I'm like, do you feel that? And she's like, I know, I don't. I'm ignoring that forever. And <clears throat> so then we got new tires, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's balanced, right? When, when we put Jesus at the center or the foundation, where everything comes out of it, Everything starts to move the way that Christ designed our lives to move. And this, as you can tell, is one of those like little itty-bitty mountain bike tires. They're made to go over rough terrain. And if this isn't at the center right here, <clears throat> it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to do anything. It's actually going to collapse, Right? When we put Jesus as our foundation or as our center of everything, then all of a sudden, when life starts coming and we're starting to move through this life, we're able to absorb it. We're able to, to have Christ be that center part of us. Now, if you're like me, I tend to not want to put him at the center because then that means, well... I got all this other stuff I got to do. Right? There's, there's stuff in my life. But then when I really, if I step back and say, God, Christ, I want you as my foundation. I want you as my center. I want you right here in my midst. I'm going to put you in the center of everything I do. Of my job, of my family, of my struggles, of my successes. All of a sudden, we have a different perspective on, on how we view those things around us. We have a different perspective on, on how when, when life starts kicking us, when we're down, instead of, oh, God, why is this? No, I think that's a good prayer. I pray that actually quite often. Um, but instead of that, or instead of putting on this facade of of trying to make our life look perfect or, or even holy in a struggle, we can say, God, you're in the midst of this. You're the center of this. And it changes the way we pursue things. It changes the way we move through this life. It changes the way we actually view Christ in these things. Because if you're like me, I'm a 
well, I'm not a checklist person. I'm kind of fly by the seat of my pants person. My wife is a checklist person. But I want to, you know, kind of check those things off, right? I did my Jesus time today. I did my family time today. Did the bath time today. Not me. And all of a sudden, you know, I start checking those things off. But if if I put Jesus at the center, instead of just checking off these things, all of a sudden he's there with me in it. And I, I have a different view of those things around me. In, uh, in 2 Corinthians, Paul goes and says this. He says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts and gave us the light of the knowledge of God's glory, displaying the face of Jesus. It, it, what Paul says is, is, in darkness is where light shines, right? There's that old analogy, you know, if you turn off all the lights and you light a match, it lights up the room. Ooh. It's one of those things where, where God wants to use us, even in those dark places. But then Paul goes on and he says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Wow. God's like, hey, this is from me. You put me at the center, I'm going to shine through you. You're a jar of clay, breakable. I'm going to put something holy inside of it. I'm going to put it at the center of who you are. Paul then goes on and says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. I love that there. Because so many times I feel that's me. I tend to go to the negative, right? That I'm perplexed and persecuted and abandoned and all these things. When I put Christ at the center of this, he's saying, hey, we are going to go through things in our life. This is life. But I want to be the center. I want to be there with you in it. I want to bring you up. I'm not going to just get you out of it, but I'm going to lead you through it. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul talks about this, and he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That is my prayer. So many times I'm running from the persecution, from the pain, from all of it, But Paul says, hey, Christ lives in me. I'm no longer alive, but Christ lives in me. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, band, you can come back up. That's my key word for the band coming back up. Uh... So we're starting the series on foundation, or not on foundations, that's what we talked on today, on anchor. How do we anchor ourselves in who Christ is? How do we make him that center of who we are? And so for some of us today, uh, as we worship here, um, this might be a time where you are going through struggles in life. And it feels like everything is rocking and rolling and, and we're trying to keep this facade on of being normal and not breaking down and crying in our car during lunchtime. Uh, 
But Christ is saying, hey, I wanna be the center. I wanna be your foundation. This might be a time to say, hey, Jesus, I just need you. Right now, right here. Maybe you're also at a place where everything's really good. And you're like, this is awesome. Don't jinx it. Jesus says, hey, you know what? Things, things are gonna come. The snow is gonna fall in March. And you gotta shovel a driveway. I hate that. And he's like, you know what? Things are still gonna happen. But even when things are going well, we still have this facade on. He's like, no, I wanna be, who, I, wanna, I wanna create in you something new. I wanna step in and build the most beautiful thing that he knows that you are. One of these things um, goes back to one of the quotes that Viktor Frankl wrote. He said, in some ways, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds meaning, such as the meaning of sacrifice. I look at Jesus, I say, you know what? When he suffered, and he died, he had, there was a meaning behind it. And the meaning for him was to create a relationship with you. For him, it wasn't the suffering because it has so much meaning. He loves you so much. He gave everything. And all he wants, he doesn't want anything except to be the center, to be that focal point your life. You guys can stand with me. Let's pray. And then we're going to worship. So Jesus, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for being that wheel. God, we just pray right now for those who are going through some hard times right now. God, that we may feel crushed, we may feel abandoned, but you have said that you have not abandoned us, that you're going to lift us up. And God, that um, you might not bring us out of the, the crud we're in, but you're going to be in the center of it with us. So Lord, I just pray for anybody in here right now, God, that um, that is just struggling. That maybe uh, uh, they're still trying to figure out how to build this thing. God, I just pray right now that you stop those plans like Osha would, and you allow us to go back to the center, go back to you. Lord, I just pray for those in here who, who things are going really well. God, that, um, but we might have that nervousness that things are going to fall or collapse or those things. God, I just pray that you be the center. So, Lord, we love you, and we worship you right now. So, let's worship. Mm -hmm.